You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. All right, so uh, I am super excited to be here on the podcast. We've got another interview coming at you with one of my really, really good friends. And I wouldn't even call him a friend. What I would call him is my brother, my brother from another mother. I've got uh, Michael Anders here to uh, speak with us on uh, on the podcast here and so um before i actually give all his credentials <laughs> on what he's done i just want to say like uh uh he he is like really dear to me like i said so the one thing i'll say is that uh, i really wanted to have him on the podcast here and interview him because i knew mike we met each other at the air force academy preparatory school meaning right after we graduated from high school going into college And so I've seen him where he is right now to see how much he's grown from where he was then to where he is now and to uh, show the success that you can have has been absolutely awesome. So the thing I will say is I will frame it like this. I didn't I didn't always have the mindset that I have right now. And so Mike is actually one of the first people that I uh, met (laughs) coming from West Texas to the Air Force Academy. He's always thought big. He's always had a vision for things that he wanted to do. And so that's just how I kind of want to frame this going in, because I when I first met him, I didn't think he would be one of my best friends. And uh, he would say the things that he wanted to do and how he wanted to do them. And I would be like, there's no way you're making that happen, man. But he is like the epitome of someone who has always had that can-do attitude. So that's like one way I want to start the frame. And so here is my buddy. He is a a husband, a father. He's an entrepreneur, I would say, just always crushing it. And uh, I believe his CrossFit gym, which is CrossFit PHX, it was ranked the number one gym in America by Men's Journal, right? Mm -hmm. number one gym in america by men's journal he's written multiple books and he's also an amazon best-selling author author he's a marine so a combat veteran and he's also just a great athlete as well and so uh he is a man of many hats in many colors and he's doing things at a very high level did i miss anything mike or is there anything you want to add on top of that yeah, you know, I've, uh, I've, 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 number one, I appreciate you having me on. I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. You know, as I told you off the mic, I'm, I'm surprised it took you this long to get into the podcast space, and it was only a matter of time before this, this conversation was going to take place. So I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, at, at this phase of my life and in, in my career uh, as a performance consultant, you know, uh, at and with next level performance and fitness consulting, I spend my time 
helping people find the best version of themselves to, to live life at their highest frequency. And we use the foundation of a physical practice, whatever that may be. It's not exclusive to CrossFit by any means to set the stage for their emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. And, and through that, that, that conversation, it's no longer pigeonholed in fitness. We're focused on the total person and engaging in that bigger conversation as to, you know, what your truth is and what your why is, what is your purpose and exploring the intangibles of what makes you, you so that you can express those, those things to the fullest of their potential. Absolutely. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited to unpack that whole thing because you already kind of just blew my mind with all of that, but uh, that's going to be really good for us to unpack, uh, unpack all that. And, uh, that's the thing. We tend to compartmentalize things. And what you're saying is who you are in the whole total person, because everything mm-hmm. affects everything, right? We can't compartmentalize yeah. things. So, so it's taking a while. Th- it's take, taking a while to get here, man. It's taking a while. To get <laughs> yeah. here. <It's> been- <laughs> We're all on the journey, right? So right. usually we start this thing off. The one question we like to ask people is, or the guest, whenever they come on is success without sacrifice is the name of the podcast. And when we say success without sacrifice, we don't mean success. You're, you can have success without sacrificing something. But the thing we look at is, is we want to have success without sacrificing the things we love the most. And so whenever you hear that success without sacrifice what does that bring to your head and what are your initial thoughts? What does that mean to you? So when I think about sex or success without sacrifice, what, what comes to mind is very much, very much in line with what you just said. It's not about taking the easy road, but it's about establishing harmony in your life. You know, there's this, 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 this false narrative that work-life balance, right? That's, it's not, possible, right? That's not, that's not real. At at no point will those two things on the scale of life be whole neutral, right? You will always be serving one more than the other, right? So the, the, the trick, the hack is to get those things as you're out of balance to serve each other, right? They need to become a means to an end, you know, and so where that's manifested in my life, like currently we're repositioning uh, Next Level as this as this uh, personal growth and development platform. And I'm also working on my MBA at the Thunderbird School of Global Management. I got two kids that are about to be uh, five and three. And uh, through the pandemic, my wife and I have combined forces and she's now the CEO of Next Level. So I, you know, as she put it yesterday on, on one of our calls, I am the business and she runs the business. It's it, and uh, you know, so we've we've identified, we've gone to great lengths to establish roles and responsibilities in that regard. And she's also amazing at holding down the household and making sure that the kids are taken care of while you know I'm finishing up school and doing this business development thing. So I'm not home as much as I want to be right now, but everything that I'm doing to build next level and accomplish this degree is in service to my family. And that's reciprocated in my wife's role in this dynamic, right? So yeah, we're not, we're not in balance by any means, right? But we are in harmony 
with each other. The business, uh, my academic obligations are in harmony with what we desire in our family. So for me, success without sacrifice means establishing harmony. I love it, man. I love it. And the one way we talk about it or that I like to frame it is work-life integration, right? So like you said, everybody talks about work-life balance, but there is no work-life balance. So I like to think of it as work-life integration. And so that's awesome. You know, you are the business, your wife, Nicole runs the business, you know, and so that's one of the great things about living in America is you can do it how you want to do it when you want to do it and you can make it all work. You know what I mean? And so uh, that's like mm-hmm. an awesome tenant, much wisdom in there, man. So let's, uh, let's run around to, here's where I'd like to get to how, who is Mike Anders? How did you become Mike Anders? Right. And I guess just tell a little bit of the story. When I think of you, obviously we know each other very well. I also want you to unpack next level a little bit because we're talking about that, but the listeners might not know what next level is. But initially, like when I think about you, I think about your family. You've got two other brothers, your mom and your dad. You know what I mean? Uh, Three other brothers. My bad. Uh, your mom. Yeah. Gail, Eric and Brian. Yeah. My bad. I don't know why I said to, <laughs> but I think about your family. Right. And so whenever I think about who you are, like that's initially, you always have images pop in your head, uh, when you think about mm-hmm. someone. And so initially that's who I think about is your family. Like obviously when you were growing up and now I think about your family mm-hmm. now, like who you are and like how that's almost like a mirror image of uh, kind of your your early life, you know, and I can see that imprint on your life. So give us a little, like when you think of like childhood early on and like how you've become who you are right now, like what, give us what you think on that, where you think that rolls from, stems from. Yeah, so I think that uh, so much of who I am has, you know, as as I don't, I don't think I'm, I'm stating anything short of the obvious, but you know, who I am has so much to do with how I was raised. And I'm an Air Force brat, born in the 80s, you know, before the the drawdown of the Clinton administration. So, you know, my my parents were very worldly. My dad was a, was a Vietnam vet. My mom's a Gulf War veteran. And, uh, you know, there were just a lot of really awesome assignments available to the Air Force when I was a kid. So I was born in Spain. Spanish was my first language. My two little brothers were born in the Philippines. Thereafter, we spent five years in New Mexico before uh, hopping back across the pond to uh, Okinawa, Japan uh, for middle school. I spent my freshman year of high school right outside Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, I finished school just outside DC in Waldorf, Maryland uh, before you you and I connected and linked up at the Air Force Academy Prep School. And one of the virtues of that upbringing is the ability to start over. So, and, and reinvent myself with the lessons I learned in, on, in previous locations, right? So I was definitely the beneficiary of not being, I, I was never allowed to be the, the victim of my own self. I got to, I got the opportunity to, explore different versions of Michael Anders every three to five years throughout my childhood um, and really go through uh, uh, an integrated process of self-discovery. So as I look back on it, that was one of the awesome things about being a military brat. You know, the downside of that is, you know, like 
uh, you and uh, who, who's your buddy, uh, Coulon, you know, you guys have known each other since, you know, since you were knee high to a grasshopper. I don't have those kind of relationships uh, from my upbringing. And Facebook wasn't around to like really make that easy either. So the people that are in my life now from way back when they, you know, I consider I've got a lot of by a lot, I mean, very few, but more best friends than most. And, uh, you know, they're kind of compartmentalized into the phases of my life. If you look at my wedding party, you know, each one of my groomsmen is a representative of a certain phase of, of my life. And uh, my dad was, was hard on us. Uh, my mom uh, set the bar really high as far as like what a human being is able to accomplish. She was a 26 year active duty, full bird colonel, uh, in the Air Force, raised four kids, amassed three master's degrees. And, uh, you know, my dad passed away in 2007. So I talk about him a lot because he's not here. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, as I look back on it, I've done my mother a disservice in that because she was such an influential part of my life. But, um, and, you know, not too long ago when I decided to go back to school, you know, um, with two kids and a business that's trying to survive during the pandemic and whatnot. And I remember telling her, I was like, hey, I'm thinking about going back to school. She's like, why would you do that? You know, you have so much other stuff going on. And I just took a tactical pause in the phone and I said, who do you think I learned it from? You know, so, uh, you know, because of my the the way I've told the story over the years since my dad's been gone, you know, I've, I've kind of let the unit, the, the world believe that my dad was the most influential part of my life. But, you know, I want to make sure that I'm, I'm also honoring my mom in where I learned how to stack the plate and, and live with harmony as well. That is 100 percent hers. My my risk taking that's that's dad but you know making it work that's mom 100% that's awesome man i like that you honor your mom in that too because even i see so even playing out in my life now right uh well the one thing i was going to say is i think about your mom because i've got two boys right and i know all of you <laughs> like you and your brothers so now like i just think i always thought your parents were just badasses <laughs> so but when i think of your mom <laughs> and i think of you guys and who y'all are like it just gives even more i guess i don't even know mystique to your mom that she's a badass because you guys are just uh, crazy and wild and then just to have boys knowing boys are just crazy man so that's super awesome but that's a lot of times the case right is like you have if you are a even a man so like if you're a man and you're successful and you're leading your family what I've found is most of the times there is a strong woman behind that individual that is probably the most influential in his mm-hmm. life, right? But they don't get a lot of the credit that they deserve, or at least they don't get the credit like out in the open. You know what I mean? And so yeah. that's a, I think that's a really good point that you like bring up your mom and you honor her with that because a woman is actually one of the most influential driving forces behind any man uh doing what what he does or at least in the in the circles that i'm in and that's those are the circles that i'm trying to keep myself in so like that is that's awesome that you that you bring that up i thought it was really good 
I mean, you can call it, you can call it, you know, maybe maybe an Oedipus complex a little bit. I don't know, but you know, my mom really set the precedent for what I was looking for in a wife. You know, like she, she can hold down a career. She's she's driven with her own personal goals. You know, and at the same time, she knows how to hold down a household and she knows how to take care of her man. You know, and I got to tell you. The ain't a whole lot of options out there in that regard. I mean, that's that's a strong resume that you got to come to the table with to deal with Michael Anders. And uh, my wife is the shit. Nicole, she is all of that and more. And, um, you know, when the pandemic hit and we came together on Next Level and identified where she fit in this equation and and how we were going to make this, make this thing run. I, I, I told her the other day, you know, we had a moment in the car and I just looked at her and I was like, you saved this business, you know, cause she's amazing, you know, at organizing my chaos and, and filling in uh, all, you know, all the, all of my weaknesses are her strengths. So we complement each other so well and at the same time because i'm such a visionary big idea guy as uh as you alluded to earlier she's really good at telling me no and uh you know and just focus you know just narrowing my focus to stay on task and make sure that we accomplish a and b before we jump to z yeah man and this is taking a little turn i didn't think it was going to take but but i really like it so the thing that i think about is is how do you because in a sense, Andrea and I are almost the same way. The difference is, is that she's not in my business though, right? So she like mm-hmm. runs our household though. She like makes everything run. And so she is mm-hmm. the one who does that for sure. But the thing that I think about is uh, for myself, a lot of times I have to, I guess, be willing to listen, I guess is what I would say. Mm-hmm. So how do have you developed that in yourself to listen to your wife or to listen to her and because I think that is an attribute that is a lot of times missed. You know what I mean? Because before mm. in my prior life, which you've known me through, um, I would not I would not yield to that. You know what I mean? I would just be mm-hmm. like, mm, I'm right. Like, I'm the man. Like, this is how it works, mm-hmm. you know. But what I've come to realize yeah. is that I'm not the man. Like, I need that in my life. So where do, where do you draw that from? Like, where does that come from for you? Yeah, I, I'll. You know, again, um, I'm such a product of the the home I was raised in. You know, my dad was such a creative and he was also he was a starter. He wasn't a finisher. You know, every place we moved, if he wasn't practicing law, he was starting some business. Right. And then he would start it and they would just, you know, it was it would start to take off and he would take his foot off the gas. Right. Law, law was his passion, but a practice takes time to build. And, you know, three years is a very short window to create a thriving practice. And then you got to, and then we move and we, you know, he has to start all over again. Right. So, you know, uh, network marketing was a big thing in my house. My, you know, I had my parents, I had Amway parents, you know, and, uh, but I watched my mom run that thing, you know, while my dad was really good at starting it. So I, I, my parents did a really good job of not sheltering us from, hard conversations. Like I watched my parents argue and come back to love, you know, my dad, my parents were married for, they were together for 28 years before my dad passed. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, as I watch, uh, you know, these, 
you know, relationships crumble left and right. You know, you got on, you know, people just aren't willing or are, lack awareness. I don't, I don't know what it is really. I just feel like they have, they, they definitely lack exposure to the rough times and, 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 and seeing it all the way through, you know, uh, one of the things that Nicola and I practice, I don't get up, we don't get off the phone with each other and we don't go to bed without saying, I love you. It doesn't matter. She can go to bed mad. I can go to bed mad, but the last words we hear at the end of the day or before we get off the phone is I love you. So there's never any doubt regardless of how angry or disappointed or upset, you know, we are at each other. We know that there's still love there. So we never leave that to question. And in doing so that where that, the trickles down is it also a lot opens us up to have hard conversations and it a lot, you know, it, it leaves me open to be vulnerable and, and listen because whatever criticism or challenging conversation she, she brings to the table, you know, any, any disruption to Michael's universe, I know comes from a place of love. Absolutely, man. That's like one rule that Andrea and I have is that we we always have we no matter what, we know that the other person is saying or doing whatever they want in order to make what we're talking about better. Right. We're not we would never say anything to damage our relationship. We'd never say anything that would like hurt what we've got going on. And that's like just one rule that's like hard and fast, like no matter what you say. So then in the back of my head, it makes me think like, well, I had actually, I had a guy tell me, he's like, no matter how right you are, you're never 100% right. And so like, <laughs> that's what always pops up in my head is like, man, I'm, I, I'm right, but there's something going on here if we're not connecting on that level, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's really, sure. really good. Cool, man. Man, I just, I keep, I keep having the, I don't know where this is going to come up at, but like, you know, you're, you're obviously talking about your dad and your mom. Like those are always the things that, that mm-hmm. come up. I just always remember the first time I uh, ever came to your house and, and spent time with, with your dad. He's like, he was like such a big character, man, which is where I, I mm-hmm. know like y'all's uh, charisma and all that comes from. But um, the one thing that I always think about, we had a conversation when all this stuff was going on. I don't like talking about the BLM stuff and all the stuff that happened over the past year, but there's a quote that you said, I think you'd said your dad said, he said, basically like anytime you're dealing with the police or anything like that, like your number one job is to make it home safe. Is that's a, that's right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, yeah. So and, yes. con- and, 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 and for context, my dad was a criminal defense attorney. So a lot his, and grew up in the civil rights movement. So his lens and he was, uh, and he was a cop when he was enlisted in the air force before he went to school and became a, became a lawyer. Ah, see, so I didn't know that. My, yeah. So my dad having come up in the struggle and being directly involved with law enforcement as a cop and a criminal defense attorney, that, that was his lens on life. It wasn't sure it had the context of, of raising four black men, but it, it also like, this is just how you deal with the police in general. Right. Mm-hmm. So not, not, not to radicalize the conversation and, and take it out. I just want to provide, set the, set the stage as to it, it was more, more than just being black in America. So. 
for sure, man. And that's what I like. Mm-hmm. The thing I always loved about it is like it, you guys are always taking responsibility for uh, anything that you do. Right. And so that's like one of the things that I really learned or I've learned even after coming, like graduating from the academy, because I think I had a little bit of a victim mentality when I was at the academy. But that's the one thing that I think always drew me to y'all as well. Cause I've got like this magnetic, I don't know what it is, man, but it's like your family's got this magnetic aura to them, you know? And so, and I think that's part of what it is. People like to be around champions. They like to be around people that are going to overcome because it's, it's hope and it's inspiring. You know what I mean? And so that's just one thing that always sticks out, sticks out in my head about uh, for one about your, about your pops as well. So super cool, man. Tell me a little bit about, uh, I always like to hear stories too, because I got two boys. Now I got another girl on the way. I've got one girl. How was it growing up with three brothers, right? Give give everybody a little bit of context on who your brothers are. And then uh, let me know how it was growing up with them and uh, kind of that whole dynamic. It was, I mean, it was uh, chaotic as putting it lightly, you know, we, we grew up in the, the generation of, of Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry. So we, you know, and uh, before before pro wrestling was fake, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so we, you know, we moved some furniture around from time to time. My my big brother is our our family's war child. Um, he he is a Marine getting ready to retire. Um, and that was always his ethos. He's was always always pushing the envelope um you know experiencing life to its fullest at at all times and uh you know we just so he was fortunate enough to grow up as uh in in the 9 11 generation and i I don't i don't i want to preface that he got he got to you know do the war thing he got to be gi joe um and that was always part of his his, his life's aspiration. So, you know, he's, he's our family's warrior of service. Uh, my little brother, uh, he's our, he's our champion. Like Eric, Eric's the dude that come hell or high water, you just know he's going to be okay. Like he's the one you don't worry about, you know, he, uh, and and Eric Eric's always always thought extremely highly of himself and and not in 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 the humble humble warrior standpoint you know he's always had a very high standard you know he was overlooked coming out of high school even though he was all state five A in football and he held out he just knew Eric just knows it's going to work out and uh, you know ended up on Saban's first national championship team at Alabama. Uh, the league didn't work out. And now, you know, he's climbing the ladder in the UFC as a middleweight. And Brian, he's the smart one, man. You know, the only thing that that kid knows is that gravity exists and he can go in there and, and ace a physics test. And, uh, you know, all of us are uh, extremely successful in our own right. And but at the, at the same time, my dad used to tell us, you know, uh, I, I raised you. I raised you all. What do you say? I raised you, I raised you the same, but I treated you different. And we're all, you know, even though we've, we have, we've amassed these accolades as a collective, we all did it on our own path. You know, some of that, some of those paths were chosen. Some of those paths were chosen for us. 
but they all started with a choice. And, uh, you know, my, my path, you know, I, I really feel like my, my journey into manhood started um, at the Air Force Academy. You know, I, I was just the, the buy, buy the book guy and then tried to do the, the buy the book stuff at, at the highest level possible. You know, when people ask me, my dad asked me what I wanted to do when I was 16. And I, I already knew I wanted to play D1. I wanted to get a degree and then I wanted to serve as an officer in the armed services. And then all of a sudden the air force Academy comes calling. Well, that's all of that wrapped up in a bow, but I didn't appreciate the opportunity that I had. I thought I had it all figured out. You know, at that point in my life, my ego was most definitely leading the way, you know, I was raised in the air force. I know what the, I know what active duty is like. This is, you know, for me looking back on the Academy and, and not to, cast doubt on anything that you've accomplished, brother, you know, uh, at that time, I was like, man, this is real Lord of the flies. This is kids leading kids. You know, this is, it didn't, it didn't, the Academy experience at the cadet level did not exemplify what leadership actually is. And, uh, as, as you would later point out to me when we were in, uh, in Florida together, uh, when we had both made it to active duty, you know, like brother, you ended up in the right place. And I totally did. The Marine Corps is exactly where I should have been. And, uh, you know, I, I look back on it and I was, tell, I was, I was, I was retelling this, this story last week uh, when I was speaking for uh, an executive group. You know, there's, there's what you have, have in mind and then there's what the universe gives you. And, you know, I thought I had the, the straight path to success. I'm gonna do this academy thing. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna play some good football and then, uh, and then we're gonna go serve, right? You know, we were the first in processing class after 9-11 uh, at the academy. And uh, I tried to take some shortcuts, you know, you were there for that and uh, it didn't work out for me. And I remember sitting in that auditorium like it was yesterday and the commandant giving us that brief. He's like, look to your left and look to your right. One of you isn't going to be here at graduation. I was like, I feel sorry for these two. I got this thing sewed up. And uh, and, oh, and lo and behold, man, you know, they uh, they called they called my bluff and let me go. And uh, a 10 point quiz changed the trajectory of my life. And that really you know, that was the humbling experience that I needed to really start to one, define who I am as a man, discover how resilient I really am and really understand what this whole personal growth and development thing is all about. Um, and it, it set the precedent for everything the next level is now, you know, our, our four-star logo, uh, if you notice the fourth, the big, the big star, the fourth star is incomplete. You know, each star is, well, number one, the, the four stars is homage to my military heritage and everything and all the opportunities that the military has given me, both as a kid and as a veteran. You know, the highest rank you can achieve is is four stars. Um, and that would represent, you know, in, in the next level space, self-actualization. But if you notice that four star is incomplete because the journey never ends, mm-hmm. right? Each star, each star represents one of our states of being physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And at some point, going back to that whole harmony thing, right? We're always working on one of those things more than the other three, right? That's just the way, that's just the way life works. And, and for me, you know, 
if if you listen to me tell my story in interviews, even up to like five years ago, you know, it was like Commerce Texas never happened. It was I was that the 2004 summer of 2004 to 2007 was just a really dark time for me. You know, I hadn't I hadn't figured it out. I wasn't where I wanted to be. I didn't feel like I was where I, I should have been. And I was def- I was playing the victim. I was stuck. It, everything was everybody else's fault. You know, I shouldn't have been on the phone. I, I, you know, I shouldn't have got told on. I shouldn't have got ran up the flagpole, whatever. Everything was everybody else's fault. I wasn't taking ownership for my circumstance. You know, then I would, then I got hurt. I blew out my knee. You know, I got caught up in some other stuff at, at Commerce. I was writing papers for my teammates and they're like, dude, isn't that why you're here? Cause of this dumb stuff. You know, I hadn't quite figured it out yet, you know? And then I started, I, I happened upon a gentleman by the name of Marcus Seta, who introduced me to the, the strategic implementation of self-development and working on yourself. And now the things that I speak on are, are living inside your integrity. And it comes in four pieces. The first of which is keeping the promises that you make to yourself. And I'll I'll wrap this around here in a second. The second is honoring your commitment to behavioral change. The third is doing the hard thing. That's the self-work. And the fourth, by virtue of doing the first three, is making yourself proud. So let's go back to 16 years old. Michael, what do you want to do with your life? I want to play D1. I want to finish my degree. I want to serve. It looked like the academy, but the academy wasn't it. But I played D1. I get busted down to commerce. I finish my degree. Fast forward two years, I commission as an officer of Marines. So I did the, you know, whether it was conscious or subconscious at the time, right? Um, it, it, I, for me to be the leader that I became as a Marine, I had to go through all that stuff to appreciate not only the opportunity, but also effectively take care of the people that were in my charge. And had I fast-tracked it through the academy, even though the timeline, you know, give or take six months is about the same at the end of the day from prep school to gold bars, I, w- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have been as effective as a leader. I wouldn't have been as impactful as a leader. I wouldn't have had the message that I have now for those that I mentor. Um, and I think that, you know, people get, people get lost in that, you know, they want to, they want to remain the victim. They want everything to be everybody else's fault. They don't want to do the hard work and look internally and figure out what it is inside them that can get them out of the hole that they've dug for themselves. Because whether it's choice or circumstance on the other side of both those things is another choice. And if you're not, if you don't, if you're not doing the work on yourself to own those choices, you'll be stuck forever. Man, I love it. I love it. So the, the one, man, there's so much, I wanted to stop you there, but there's so much to unpack there. But like what you said is that I think, I think is really good is like you had a destination where you wanted to go. Right. We talk about this all the time on it, just a recurring theme on our podcast. Right. And in the simplest way to to, to express it is begin with the end in mind, right? And so you've got a dream or you've got a dream, right? We all dream. And uh, there's 
there's more to it than just the dream, right? But the dream is important. And beginning with the mind, beginning with the end in mind is important as well. You know what I mean? And so uh, that's, that's why I love, like I'm doing jujitsu right now. That's why I love jujitsu so much is because like in the end, the goal is the black belt, but it's who you become as you on the journey to getting the black belt. Right. And so like all of those lessons and everything that I do in my business right now with my interactions with my kids, interactions with Andrea, interactions with clients, all actually is involved in me getting my black belt, you know? And so like, that's kind of, you know, the point and kind of what you're bringing to, through to fruition right here. And so the thing is though, like what's um, you know, uh, unpacked in that time frame is the most important, right? Like how do you react to the things that happen? And so what I see in your journey is like, you always wanted to be an officer, right? Or you always wanted to serve your country. And when it didn't happen at the Air Force Academy, right? So we came in together and then the circumstances that happened, um, I don't know if you want to give details on, on how that happened, but I would say I was in the same boat as well. Right. So that's why Mm -hmm. I said I had a little bit of a victim mentality when I was not even a little bit, like I did. And even though, and it was clothed in confidence, like I was like, Mm -hmm. I know who I am. I know what I deserve. Like, this is what I deserve. Right. And, uh, but in the end, like, I was being a victim in those things. And so like you Mm -hmm. get your most strength from taking responsibility for what happens and actually making the choices that you need to make to get to where you want to go, you know? And so I think that's, that's really, really good. And like those lessons, it's interesting that we've kind of had the same lessons, but taken like totally different Mm -hmm. paths or not even totally different, but different paths to get there, you know? Well, I'll tell you, man, you know, you know, part of the reasons that our relationship has lasted this long is because of the promise that you kept when I left. I don't know if you remember this or not. You know, the, the, the academy was such a part of my identity and I blew it. And I, I just remember for the two years that you and I were there together, like every third day, you just being like, I don't want to be here. I hate everything about this. Boom, 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 boom. Right. And I don't know if I teed it up this way or, or how organic the conversation was, but you know, the, the result was, look, since I can't finish your ass better. And I remember even being at commerce in that really dark place, having my own pity party, you know, and being on the phone with you and you're like, Hey man, I'm looking at TCU. I think I'm, I think I'm a bounce. And I had, I had to check you. That was like a real moment for us. I was like, no, man, you said you were going to finish. And because I didn't, you owe me that. I remember putting that in your lap. Again, this is me not taking ownership of my situation. <laughs> but at the same time, I think it plays to the strength of not only our relationship, but uh, uh, who we are as men, right? In that it's like, I know you don't want, I know you don't want to be there. But it, it's it's not that much. And I, I had zero appreciation for any of the good things at the time that were happening in commerce. And, you know, so I just painted this ultra dark picture of, you know, the the circumstances I was in. And I remember telling you, I was like, look, 
you, you made me a promise. I need you to uphold that. And you did, you know? For sure. So like, and I think, the, I think that's really good. And so it's always good to hear the perspectives of everybody. Right. And so the thing I remember mm-hmm. is, uh, just to bring that whole thing back around is like you being at our graduation and like, you were one of the first people to give me. So it's like, you're, you're for the listeners. It's like, whenever you commission as an officer, like you get, you get your gold bars. We call them butter bars when you're a second Lieutenant. And so you take off your, your uh, prop and prop and wings as a cadet and you put on your, your butter bars. Now you're a commissioned officer. And so I actually still have them, those bars that you gave me uh, whenever we, whenever we graduated, you know, because you were like, you wanted to be there for one to give me those bars whenever we graduated, you know what I mean? And so that's like, yeah, that's super, that's awesome, man. Yeah, man. But, you know, again, it just goes, it goes back. I don't, I don't think that, I think relationships like ours, and I think the expectations of, of, of who we are as men for each other is, is really rare. It's, and I, I would venture to say it's almost non-existent these days, you know, to, to, you know, we, we get on the phone every once in a while and, you know, talk about the ways of the world and the things that we're doing with our families and how things are going with the wives and whatnot. And, you know, there have been a handful of situations, conversations where it's like, hey, man, you know, like you're you're not you're not living in your integrity right now. You know, you're maybe maybe you're not right in this situation, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, we have. We have such a, again, like Nicole and I and our, our, the, the love we have for each other, the dynamic of our relationship is, is very much in that same light where, hey, man, I'm about to tell you some things that you don't want to hear. But you need to understand that it comes from a place of love and the intention is for you to become better as a result. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, that's the key thing, man. I think the key thing is like is love, right? And can you, can you check that in whenever you're speaking with someone? Because that's, that's the, the world we're living in right now. There's like so much, I guess, fake out there is what I would say. Mm -hmm. And you don't make it through for one, even I think it's partly the military background too, because you can't, you can't make it through the military and especially I didn't have any combat experience, but a supported folks that were downrange. Right. And there has to be mm-hmm. so much trust there and you cannot like there. We always had that saying at the Academy, like if you do something wrong, like somebody's going to die. Well, like that actually is true. <laughs> and so like when I, when we were at the, aca- when we were at the Academy, we'd be like, yeah, people die if you don't, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, okay, man. And then I got like my first group of people after I graduated. And like, that was like the first thing that popped in my head. I'm like going through a CBT, which is a, a computer-based training. And uh, I'm like, man, I don't know when I'm going to need this information or if I ever will, but if there does come a time that I need it, I better have, I better know it well, you know? And so mm-hmm. I always remember um, the guy from Black Hawk Down came and talked to us at one of our, I think it was hundreds night. I can't remember what night it was, but that's the one thing that stuck with me is like, he ne- he was like, I never expected to be the pilot on Black Hawk Down. And I'm like, man, like he, that could be anybody, man. That could be you today. That could be you tomorrow. Like you could be driving down the street. Like I literally drive the same route every day to work, 
but there's mm-hmm. one red light or there's one missed turn or something and your life is literally totally changed right you know and so mm-hmm. i don't know why i went off on that tangent but my point is is like you have to have trust and you got to have love for somebody whenever you're you know you're speaking with them so yeah anyway no, absolutely <laughs> <laughs> Let's roll around to where you're at now, man. So you're you're married, yeah. right? You got a beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. You got two beautiful kids. You're working best-selling author. Like, tell me about, man. You've how many books have you written? I've written two, and I'm starting the uh, the manuscript on the third. Yeah, so writing three books, man. Like, where, like, where does this come from? I think I know where it comes from, but give me give me your inspiration on things now, right? Where you're where you're moving into. You know, I, I've got a I've got a tattoo on my left arm that says I only got this far because of what I did not know, mm. and you know I, I'll I'll phrase it a different way. I, I let curiosity lead the way. Um, so much of what I have accomplished, you know, playing Division One football started with answering the question. I wonder if I can. Coming back around to the Marine Corps, I wonder if I could still serve. I'm always, I'm constantly answering the question of my limitations. I wonder if I can, I wonder if I can. And when it comes to, you know, the, the extracurricular stuff, you know, I I want, I'm, I'm always exploring, you know, I want to see what this podcast thing is like four years later, you know, in a million downloads, over a million downloads and over 200 episodes, like, oh my God, here, you know, you pick your head up and you're like, oh my God, here we are. You know, um, I started this company lining cones up on a soccer field, working with high school kids out of the back of my truck. And here we are 10 years later, you know, rocking and rolling. You know, I wrote my first book just to see if I would enjoy the writing process. And uh, that was, you know, Inner Circle was born of these amazing conversations I was have, having on, on my, my two previous podcasts. You know, the, the, the intangibles that go with being, that come with being successful, you know, and these reoccurring themes that kept showing up and showing up and showing up. And, uh, you know, so I, I wrote Inner Circle with a lot of anecdotal stories about those principles and how they manifested in my life. And, uh, you know, my, my entire personal growth and development journey has always rested on my physical practice like fitness has never not been a part of my life i remember when we got when i got done playing i turned in my pads and i told myself i wasn't gonna get fat and i had i had teammates you know that were that were getting done and you know they, they quit training because they didn't they didn't they didn't establish the regimen you know, just be, like for me, just because it's Sunday doesn't mean I'm not up at 4.30. Like my, my life is very routine in, in that way. And I'm, 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 just, I'm, I'm forever curious about the, the edges of my limitations and, and figuring out where that's at. So I'm, I'm in constant pursuit of inter- what I call intentional adversity. You know, I experience, I, I test that on a daily basis in my, in my physical practice, you know, and then when I take these other, these other things on, you know, going back to school in the middle of a pandemic while you're trying to save your business and ra- and, and raise two kids and, and, and keep your wife happy. Like that's, that's no small feat, man. You know, but I want to see if I could do it. 
And uh, so hold on, hold on, go back. You said what? What did you say about the adversity thing? I want to write this down. So say that again. Constant. I, I'm in. I'm in constant pursuit of intentional adversity. Uh, unpack that a little bit. So why are you in constant pursuit of intentional adversity? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it shows. It shows you who you are. You know, and I'd rather. I'd rather discover who I am in my deepest, darkest places on my own before circumstances dictate that dark place for me. And I'll never forget when we were going through TX, team exercises at the end of the, at the end of prep school and me and uh, Vic Thompson, I'll never forget this. They are hazing the mess out of us. And me and Felix Cole, who was a junior going to be a senior while we were at the prep school, me and him played the same position. And I remember seeing him in the weight room and he would talk mess to me and ask me if I was coming to take his spot. And, but he didn't go to the prep school, but all, all the fellas did. So next thing I know, I got this gang of preppy football players on every, on every side of me. And they're trying, they're trying to get me to recite my seven basic responses and I can recite six. I can't remember seven. And it is like, it is, it's killing me, but this sounds like no big deal. This sounds like, like whatever, you can't remember the seventh basic response, no big deal. But when, if you, if you want to break a man, take away his sleep. We have been going for, I think we were in like hour 20 at this point. And they they call Flex on a, on a cell phone and they're like, hey, answer this question out loud. Are you are you going to take Flex's position? I was like, if he gets caught slipping, you know, again, <laughs> ego e- ego ego tripping, ego tripping. And all I hear on the other side of the phone is, get him. And they stayed after me and like you know like they. It, it's psychological warfare, man. It's, it's loud. It's crazy. And like that, I was good with. Like, I grew up in that, you know? And then they started whispering in my ear, right? Hey, you know, how are you going to make it if you can't remember seven basic responses? You know, what's going to happen after graduation out there, you know, when you're in charge and you can't remember the seven basic responses? How's that look for you? And he just start whispering in my ear and it gets quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. And I start to lose my mind. Like I'm becoming emotionally unstable, ready to cry. And, and then they called off the dogs and I was like, I will never, ever, ever, ever find myself in this place ever again, where that, that is dictated to me never again. And ever since then, man, like that was a turning point for me. Like I, I will go out of my way to figure out where that is and stretch myself beyond it so that I never feel like this again. Man, that's so interesting that you say that. Like that is, <clears throat> that is one of the biggest nuggets. I hadn't thought about that in a while because obviously you and I have a lot of the same experiences. And so you start to hang around people that are of the same mindset as you. And uh, I think that's one reason why I excel at jujitsu is because you have to be thinking ahead. Right. And I'm like, and it's, 
that is a mindset that I haven't really thought about that I have and that a lot of high, um, high achievers have is that you're always pushing yourself and you're, there's always gotta be more and you're pushing yourself. Even if you're not prepared for something, the fact that you've pushed yourself to that point in the past prepares you for the unexpected is what I would say. And so like, for me, I'm always like, even if I don't know what to do, I'm going to do something. And hopefully what I've done in the past is preparation for this moment, which not even hopefully it is, it actually is preparation for this moment. Right. And so we've got like a tournament coming up here in the next couple of months. And as I talk to people on our team, I'm like, Hey, you're not going to win that competition in the next two months. Like you're going to win that competition today. Like today Mm -hmm. is where you learn. So if you're training today and you're not, putting everything into your training today, don't expect to win in two months. And so that's kind of like Mm -hmm. what you're saying right there. And like, there are so many, as you're telling that story, I've got so many moments popping in my head of man, where I was just like dog tired. And that's exactly the thing. But the other key that I want to talk about there is it's all mental, right? Mm -hmm. And because like you said, it got quieter and quieter. And I think that's why, even I like your book. So one of your books is about manifesting what you want. Right. And so it's beginning with Mm -hmm. the end in mind or whatever else, but luckily as humans, we have the ability to like see what we want and make it come to fruition. Right. So that's what I think the key is, is what are we putting in our minds and what am I looking at in the future and what story am I telling myself, right? Is this the Mm -hmm. beginning or is this the end? You know what I mean? Am I starting something or has it finished? And how you frame that in your head is going to, is going to have a lot to do with how, how you finish, right? Mm -hmm. 100%, 100%. You know, the, uh, what, what, what you're talking about is having a bias for action and, uh, you know, one of the things that they, they talked about uh, that they really drill home in the Marine Corps experience is if you make no decision, it's still a decision, right? And so make, make a de- decide and act, decide and act. And if you, if you do that enough times and you do it fast enough, you can, you're able to pivot as needed. So you're not, even, even if, the decision you make is the wrong one. It's not the wrong one long enough, right? Because you're constantly taking action, right? Exactly. And it allows you to overcome, and it allows you, you know, by virtue of either strategy or you just ran out of ways to mess it up to get out of your own, to get out of the situation, right? That's exactly right, man. Well, it's part of our culture too, right? We don't like to make mistakes. And that that's one of the things that I've, I've learned is like, the more mistakes I make, actually, the better I become. Like, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. make a mistake that like ends it all. Like you can't make the big, big mistake, but you have to make mistakes, man. Like even as you has, have kids, you're like, man, like the only way you learn is by making mistakes, like doing the wrong thing. Like you can do the wrong oh, yeah. thing that takes you out of the game, but mm-hmm. you need to be able to make to make those wrong decisions in order to get better. And everybody that's uh, successful has has made those has made those those uh, mistakes. You know. Yeah, I mean that's that's why you know social media is kind of like real iffy for me because everybody's trying to play it perfect, and like I think I think it detracts us if you let it from being present and in the moment 
you know, cause you're, you're trying to live this, this filtered life for people that are of no consequence to your universe, right? We're trying to please these likes and, uh, you know, that's, 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 that's not, that's not reality. You know, we, we've talked, uh, offline about a handful of individuals that were picture perfect at one point, And then all of a sudden, like thing, things are different, but nobody knows why. And, yeah. uh, you know, so, so for, for me, it all comes back to being present, you know, like I think social media is a great tool, you know, but at the same time, it, it's not, it's not my echo chamber. It's not my, it's not my place of validation. Like I, I get that from the impact I have with and on people within arm's reach. Right. The, uh, uh, but you, you got, you got to be present in, in the here and now in, in this world. And I think that, you know, platforms like, like yours, the, um, success without sacrifice, you know, and spreading that message and helping people spread their message and convey, convey to others, uh, just, you know, maybe, maybe another way of living, you know, that they, and helping them raise their awareness and 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 live at their highest frequency. That's 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 the mission that I serve, and uh, you know. So I, I applaud you for creating this platform that you know allow that stimulates that thought process for people. It's huge. Appreciate it, man. So, um, man, we could just go on and on and on. You know what I mean? We're gonna have to. Have I told you, back. you man. I, I I blocked off ninety minutes for this I, thing, I man. Know, I, I knew it. it. I, I knew know. this was gonna happen. We're gonna. We're gonna. You know. <laughs> actually, what we're gonna do is we're gonna get you back on when Jerry can be on as well because he brings a dynamic that uh, is really good too. And so, uh, we'll have we'll have you back on. You know what I mean? And then we'll we'll get into some. We'll I'm, get into. We'll get into. I'm everything. always down, man. I'm always down yeah. for sure, man. So, what do you want to leave us with? Is there anything that we should have talked about that you wanted to talk? about that we maybe haven't hit yet or uh yeah you want to leave any parting shots well i would tell you that if you're if you're not exposed to this school of thought and you're you're open to hearing some things that you're might you may not be comfortable with some challenging ideas then you should definitely uh hop on amazon and pick up my book inner circle and uh you know, I've got, a, I got a bunch of podcasts out there uh, between Feed Me, Fuel Me and the 20 Percenters podcast. I'm going to be relaunching the Progress Always podcast here in the not too distant future. So keep an eye out for that. And then if you're looking for, for any and all things uh, higher frequency, uh, you can check me out on Instagram at Coach Durs. And you can see all the things that we're doing at Next Level at Next Level underscore PHX on Instagram awesome man so we'll put links to all of that stuff in the show notes and on everywhere we're going to be uh sending the podcast out so that people will be able to connect with you for sure and so man i've just had a great time chatting with you catching up with you man and then you just uh you were bringing back a ton of memories for me in my head my brain was just going crazy as uh as you were talking about uh all the stuff that you were talking about man so i uh, appreciate you being on love you brother And uh, we'll catch y'all on the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. So you get notification of all new episodes.